Hello everyone, it is the That Williams Guy here for yet another episode. We're recording this on Thursday, September the 14th at 7.38 Eastern Time. And joining me tonight for your listening pleasure, Mr. Jeff Bourne. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. How you doing? Uh, I guess I'll make it. <laughs> we, we made it for another week. There you go. Jeff, if you would tell the, the audience about yourself. Well, uh, my name is Jeff Boren. Um, I'm a 22-year educator, veteran. Um, it's been about last 12 years or so in administration, several of those as a principal. Um, before that, I was an athletic director and an old ball coach. And uh, when I got out of the, the coaching world, uh, a lot of that was because I wanted to get into firearms instruction and spend more time down that path. And my wife's very supportive, and uh, that's the well, that's the route we ended up going several years ago and uh, ended up doing that now. Very fortunate working with uh, Patriot Training Center down in East Boga, Alabama, teaching a class sometimes two a month. Uh, we got an awesome owner, Caleb and uh, Carter and uh, Craig that we work with down there. Awesome guys and got a good thing going. So, yeah, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. All righty. And your current position is you are the director of school security. Yes, uh, it's the official title, school safety. So school safety, anything, yeah. yeah, anything to do with the the school safety side, from crisis management plans at the top all the way down to um, your basic fire drills or any kind of issues that are on campus. Yeah, that's that's me. That's what I do. All right, is this for a particular school or for a whole school system? It's a it's a district. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're a district of about not a not a big district. We have I think thirty three hundred plus is our latest enrollment. Uh, we okay. have nine different schools on three, four campuses. So uh, pretty, pretty small rural community. Yeah. The, the school safety director position seems to be a new one that's popping up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And uh, what, how it come about with us is, um, well, when I became a principal years ago, another principal in the district and I were very forward thinking or progressive as they would call it as far as our security plans and crisis management we didn't stick with just that basic outline we were handed and um, we were attending some training and things like that and trying to do things to keep kids safe and um, because of that it got noticed and, and they started talking about doing this and then you know Parkland happened and then finally Uvalde was the was the one that really tip that over into making it happen and I was actually a principal at my alma mater at the time and they called and said hey we want to come in and talk about school safety we want to look at what we're doing and I said sure and uh, they were of course it was immediately in the aftermath of the Uvalde and uh, I ended up giving them a presentation the same thing I gave to my staff at the school I was at and a couple hours later they're like well here's this job you want it and I was like yeah that would be really fun let's do it yeah and try to make it a safer place. So here we are. <laughs> it's amazing how pivotal events always drive this topic back to the forefront and then yeah. how quickly it goes away. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I developed my own little generic term for it. I call it CDSE, complacency, denial, and someone else. You go through this and you get fired up for a good month or two and mm -hmm. they start marketing a lot of a, uh, nice technology and things like that towards us and everybody's fired up about school safety again and then it goes back yeah. to the way it was before yeah yeah we'll sell you this product that will make your school safe yes i get i think it's at least twice a day it's down from about three an email from someone 
that has got the new technology that's going to prevent school shooters. I'm like, wow. Okay. And they called me on the phone and I told this, I had this conversation with this guy last week. He said, he actually got me. The secretary didn't can't pick it up. Was, so uh, he was trying to sell me this technology. that was going to make our schools completely safe. And he said, are you sure you're not interested? I said, yeah. And he said, well, why not? And I said, because this is a human problem and it requires a human answer. Yeah. It's, it's not a technology technology that will solve it. Ed tells it like it is. Yeah. You can't type the problem away. You can't buy the problem away. And he's exactly right. It's, it's a human yeah. issue. We've got to solve it. So. Yeah. Usually the, those systems that they're trying to sell are something like some sort of alert system or yes. uh, acoustic monitoring that will like mm -hmm. tell you where the, where the shooting is taking place and everything. Yeah. There, there <laughs> is some benefit of that for response. Yes. Yeah. But in and of itself, that product being in a place is not making anything safer. No, no, it's a reactionary tool. You know, yeah. we're trying to be proactive the best we can, you know. But yeah, it's it's literally every day they're trying to sell the latest technology that's gonna fix it all. But yeah. yeah. And and of course, anytime one of these big incidents happen, people come out of the woodwork with all of their helpful suggestions <laughs> and all of the you should just do whatever. Yes. And, yeah. you know, occasionally I guess you might see a good idea, but a lot of times the stuff is just people have this brain, whatever, just yeah. do this. And just, yeah. the implementation of that is just, it yeah. used to be hairy. Any kind of government, as you know, any kind of government agency moves mm -hmm. like a glacier. You know, yeah. there's, there's nothing quick. If you're going to change something, it's got to go through all that process. Right. right. So, yeah. The, and that's the thing. They're all, they're all well-meaning. And they, and they want the problem to be fixed. They want to help. And, and like I said, some of it's really good stuff. But what they don't understand is the behind the scenes of what it takes to put something like that in place and what all has to be the hoops that have to be jumped through and how you've got to consider logistics, mm -hmm. personnel, and whether we like it or not, budget. You know, yeah. and, and, and how is this all going to work with what we're doing and what we're allowed to do uh, through policy? Um yeah. Because you can you can put a lot of policies in place through your local school board, but at the same time, there's a lot of things that can't be put in place through a local school board, just like with any any other entity. But yeah, that's the biggest issue is is well-meaning people want things done, and it takes time and it's hard yeah. to do. And yeah. and the last thing you want to do anyway is just jump to something anyway. It needs to be thought out. It needs to be something that's that you can do with fidelity that yeah. can be executed. Yeah. Well, you know, there is no education system in the United States, not singular. <laughs> right. We got to think it's education systems because the federal government does not have direct control over education in the United States, folks. Article 1, Section 8 outlines the 18 things that the federal government has direct control over. Everything else they can just influence. Mm -hmm. But they can't directly control. When I say can't directly control, Congress can't pass a law that school systems in Mississippi are going to do X or school systems in Georgia are going to do X or whatever. And well, well, hey, what about no child left behind and whatever? Okay. There's no, <laughs> there's no stick to those. It's all carrot. It's all tied to federal yeah. education dollars yes. because there is no, there's no way to mandate legally under our constitutional system. And if you love your second amendment, you love your first amendment, you got to love your 10th amendment too. There's no legal way to, to mandate that stuff. So, all right, so now we're automatically, we're already at 
50 state systems plus territories, etc. So we're at 50 state systems. Well, all those 50 states don't do things all exactly the same way. They got different mm -hmm. levels of state control, etc. In my state, Georgia, the local school boards have a lot of power over the policies and stuff in their school systems. All right. With mm -hmm. Georgia, just for numbers and comparisons, folks, Georgia has 159 counties. The only state that has more counties than Georgia is Texas, and that's just because of its size. All right. And oddly enough, most of our counties were the result of a political system for electing the governor years and years and years ago. But now we can't consolidate counties because it would mess up high school football rivalries. <laughs> Very true. True. Absolute true story. And there's some <laughs> things that are just more important than, than efficiency. Yeah, that'll never be changed. <laughs> All right. Well, so we, we've got 159 counties. We've got 181 school systems. Right. Because right. municipalities in, in Georgia can mm. form their own school systems. All right. And then you throw in all the private schools, which have their own internal mm -hmm. board of governance. All right. So in Georgia, you've got 181 different school systems. Now the state can pass laws, but you still get 181 different interpretations of that. There's still a lot of local control. Under our state law, the school board has control of school security. The local sheriff the local police chief has zero stick mm -hmm. to mandate that the schools do anything. Right. And so you have all kinds of different approaches to so some schools here have formed their own police departments. Some mm -hmm. schools have SROs, be it deputies, be it uh, police, whatever working in there to any other, any other approach. I only know of, I think there's two systems in Georgia that have afforded themselves of the law that allows school staff uh, mm -hmm. to be armed. And there's a whole set of training stuff they have to go through right. with that. Mm -hmm. uh, prior to that law being passed a couple of years ago, it was actually a felony for staff to be armed mm -hmm. on school campus. Mm -hmm. And so all these suggestions of you should just arm the teachers. Well, okay. It's a, it's a felony for them to do that <laughs> up until the law changed a couple of years ago. Uh, we should have, Volunteer veteran patrols at the schools and everything. Okay, if they're carrying weapons, that's a felony. Right. I don't make the laws. Yep. Now, I don't have to arrest the people, but I'm not the only game in town. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not the only person that gets to make that decision. You got the right. state agencies, you got all that other stuff. And it's not just as simple as just do X. Yeah. And I know you've had a lot of experience with that. If you could kind of, kind of, yeah, a, a, a lot. And it, it does not with just school safety, school security issues, but anything to do with schools. You know, when uh, people, again, they're well-meaning and they, they want things done and they want to help, they want problems solved, but they don't understand the hoops that have to be jumped through to go through those things. And like you said, they, they don't understand the law to begin with when it comes, because we're in the same situation here. Even if you have Mississippi has a firearms permit, then they have an enhanced permit, like a lot of States, which lifts a lot of restrictions, but what it doesn't lift is restrictions inside the school where people are not normally allowed to be. So that's that was the attorney general's opinion, and that's how it operates. So if you're in a, a four-year or there's an athletic contest, if you have that enhanced permit, you can carry, but you can't carry inside that private area of the school, which eliminates that ability. Uh, so then there were some laws passed that allowed us to do what we do later on. 
but it's that thought process of not understanding what we got to do to make something happen that ends up being the problem when it comes to getting stuff done and getting it done quickly. And then resources, you know, it's not always that simple when um, your funding is cut drastically. So like most states, Mississippi is underfunded in education. We have a certain number that's supposed to be hit and it gets hit at about 60% each year, you know, and then that money is allotted to, this 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 and this and it can't be touched for other things so we you know that in and of itself makes implementing new plans new procedures things like that extremely difficult to begin with but yeah that's uh, that is really problematic because they just do not understand the process that you have to go through so writing a policy for example when i wrote our policy when we started our program that was a five-week process, and it's something that I've got a lot of experience with, writing school policy, and that took that long because you have to get it right, and it has to be vetted. You know, we have an attorney, obviously, like every other school district that has to look at that. This attorney, like most, did not like the policy to begin with, still does not like it to this day, but it had to go through him, uh, you know, and had to be vetted, and then for, for the case of armed staff, particularly, insurance is your holdup. So there's a lot of examples all over the country where programs have been tried to be started. And then when it came time, the insurance said, if you do that, we're dropping you. Um, big issue with that in the state of Kansas um, a few years back. So that in and of itself took five weeks just to get that policy written to a level where we could submit it to insurance and hope it didn't get turned down after it gets through our attorney and, and school board and, and all that good stuff, which thankfully, you know, I made a typo on page three and that was it. And we got through. So we were very fortunate uh, fixed the typo and we got through, but that process after writing it, submitting it, getting it board approved was a three month process. And that was expedited. You know, that was uh, getting things done as quickly as we could and getting it pushed through as quickly as we possibly could uh, to get that in front of the school board and get it approved. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's just time consuming because of all that goes into making that happen. Yeah, so even with a school board saying, yes, we want armed staff, mm-hmm. it was three months just to get the policy. Approved, yep. Approved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nine-page uh, nine policy. Uh, of course, it extends great greater than that because then you get into the training requirements, equipment, blah, blah, blah. Right. But just the written policy, nine pages, and that was it. That's a short policy, really. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah, and you know, you get into things. You talking about the funding? Mm-hmm. If you are in a school system that is already struggling financially, mm-hmm. and then they face a rise in premiums mm-hmm. for for their insurance, or yeah. they, yeah, if they're going to have to provide equipment yeah. that or, kind of stuff supplement the individuals in the program for example right. you know because that that gets into a large chunk of money um so we've been doing this predating a policy that was your uh, it was just approved july 1 it went into effect there's mississippi starting a guardian program and um we don't have a lot of information about that but because of some laws that were passed in a year and a half ago we were able to go ahead and start ours but anyhow with that being said they 
they have in that policy that state passed this last session that they would pay up to $600 a month for a stipend to be a school guardian. All right, well, let's look at that. $600 a month over 12 months. My math's not good, but that's a pretty good chunk of change. And then if you start, I mean, if you got 10 people at 6,000 a month, right? So you're already up to $72,000 or whatever for a year, just for 10 people. So you're talking about a large chunk of change. Then, if, like you said, if you're providing the equipment, ammo is not cheap. Even if you're getting a good discount state bulk prices, it's still expensive. If you're actually running a training program, um, targets. I mean, those little things that people don't consider <laughs> spray glue, <laughs> pastures, <laughs> everything that goes into putting on training that uh, the hidden costs that people don't really understand. And then, yeah, the numbers just add up and they add up and they add up. So thankfully we were able, and, and I think most people that do a program like this will get this kind of response. Well, depending upon where they're at, mm-hmm. We had people that wanted to do it. They didn't want money for this. They wanted to protect school children. That's that was their that was their goal. So we didn't have a, a stipend in place. We didn't have a way to provide them ammo. We didn't buy their guns um, or any of their equipment. They did it on their own, you know. And because uh, we just like couldn't afford to. There's no way. <laughs> yeah. 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 And the insurance premium that was the big hurdle. Because that was our initial discussion. If they raise the premiums even this much, we can't uh-huh. do it because it's yeah. an astronomical number as it is, as you can imagine. You know. All right. It's one of those things, too, that, you know, the public gets outraged. They're demanding action. It's all right. Here's the bill. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's see. We've got a population of, you know, however many households. Mm-hmm. Every every household is now responsible for the X amount of this bill. <laughs> oh well, you know, right? That, that kind of that kind of yeah. They don't want to raise those taxes. <laughs> yeah, to put that I, bill. Yeah, I don't know what the current numbers would be to put a deputy in every school in our system. I know what it was several years ago when I was in a position to to have that information, mm-hmm. and we were looking at over a million dollars. Yeah. Uh, just to put a deputy in every school Mm -hmm. and then you know that that's of course some of that startup costs that you would hope that it wouldn't be as much uh, going because you got initial outlays of equipment Mm -hmm. etc um okay somebody's got to pay for that yeah Uh, well i can tell you for our our sros uh if you're uh, based on experience that pay scale is a little different than what it'd be if they were traditional deputies yeah so if, if you're a first-year SRO in our district, you're costing the district um, to fund you, uh, I think it's about 79000 Yeah. for a first year. Yeah. But that's not the case. I don't know about every other state, but you've got to yeah. be sworn in and on, on the road for three years before you can become an SRO. And most of these guys are coming in with more than a decade of experience. And so that that is getting up to around six figures a person. Because yeah. what people don't understand, you got to factor in benefits. Mm-hmm. So if somebody makes forty thousand yep. a year, they don't cost you forty thousand; they cost right. you sixty eight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so the, those little things they add up, they add up quick. And thankfully, we have uh, an MCOPS grant here, which um, we get funding to help pay for those salaries. Or we would really struggle to get that done uh, yeah. to have those guys in there, and they're 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 an amazing resource and. And I'll talk about them for just a little minute, if that's okay. Sure. Because uh, 
I love my guys. Number one, they're they're awesome and and they work very hard at what they do. But a lot of people look at them the wrong way too, and uh, this is important to me uh, because I think a lot of people look at SROs as a show of force, yeah. and that's not right. Uh-huh. Uh, that's not what they're there for. Of course, they obviously if if there's something going on, some kind of issue mm-hmm. they need to deal with, they're going to deal with it, but. What people don't understand about SROs and why they're so important and they should support that in the school systems if they have the opportunity is because we have no way to look and get the data for how many lives they've actually saved. Because what happens is they get involved at pre-K and they're with those kids through their entire school career and the relationships they build, the programs they help put in place at those schools. And just the fact that they're there for those kids and develop those relationships goes so deep and so far. So I, I always want to bring that out because I think people look at it as there's there in the event somebody does something illegal. No, not at all. They're a huge part of those schools and they have an amazingly positive impact. So just want to get that out there. If, you, if yeah. your schools don't have SROs and you have a chance to make that happen, you should because um, they're it's a great program, great thing to have on campus. I can say this from the law enforcement administrative side, though, is there are a lot of benefits, I think, to an SRO program, but there are also a lot of problems that come with it. I can see that. Um, We haven't been fully staffed in probably two years. And, Mm -hmm. folks, I do not speak for my agency. I'm not an agency spokesman, but I know what the board says and, (laughs) you know, in the positions that are down. Um, If all of a sudden, came down you've got to put deputy mm-hmm. in every school right we can't fill the positions we've got nope. now exactly all right and then you start getting into the administrative side of running that all right do they work for the school or do they work for the law enforcement agency mm-hmm. uh that that becomes problematic as yes, since i know of a sheriff mm-hmm. in south georgia that ended up having to pull the sros out of the school system over uh conflicts with a principal yeah. Yeah. Like, he was saying yeah. that they're in my school they work for me and they follow my orders and the right. sheriff was like no mm-hmm. they're deputy sheriffs they work for me they follow my orders and they're not going to do something that's illegal because you yeah. said do it yeah and you know and the principal is a principal he's not a cop mm-hmm. right and you know, there was a conflict over some some things that the principal wanted deputies to do, and they were like, no, we can't do that mm-hmm. legally. Yeah. And <laughs> you're in my school, you're working for me. No, yeah. no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there are that, lots of pitfalls with that. There is, and all that is exactly right. And I, I, I know people that's been through that, and that is an issue. Mm-hmm. And when they were looking at the legislation they passed to put our guardian program in place here this year, that was one of the the arguments from the side that did not want that is they mm-hmm. put more SROs in. And that's exactly, and I was on a committee, my superintendent and I, we were on a, 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 a line council or something, went down to Jackson every month and talked about this. And that's exactly what we told them. We said, our people can't staff it anyway. Just like you were saying, I mean, yeah. there's, there, they can't get enough guys anyway. They're sacrificing the three, the three that we have. and uh, it it is a problem and it can be problematic if the principals the administrators or even staff for example do not know how to interact with those sros at school and we we do 
our best to train our staff on that, particularly uh -huh. our administrators. And we have an amazing sheriff, Ben Caldwell, if he listens to this by any chance, <laughs> I'm gonna give him a give him a compliment because he's an awesome guy and he does a great job working with us. But he comes in, he speaks to our administrators along with me, and we lay all that out for him. Mm -hmm. And um, if you don't do that though, I mean you, you could have chaos. I could see how that would be bad yeah. real quick. <laughs> because they don't work for us. They do work for the sheriff's department. Yeah. The, the, you get into other problems too, is that when the SRO, there's not enough cop stuff for them to do. Yeah. So they start getting involved in school stuff. <laughs> that can happen. Yeah. You know, and that, that becomes problematic and everything goes, mm -hmm. as I told one of the assistant superintendents from my County back in the days when I did, speak was i'm not assigning teachers to classrooms you don't tell me how to yeah how to do right. the other thing by the same token is i'm not in your schools telling you you need to be doing x y and z that's not my place right, right. you know you do what you do i'll do what mm -hmm. i do we'll try to work together and, and do our things and for the yeah. most part we, we were there was not under the current school system administration under the previous school system administration there were some serious serious things where yeah. some prosecutable serious criminal cases were mm, ruined yeah. by the school system mm -hmm. and um we don't have that i say we don't have that as much I, i'm out of that loop now yeah but um the new administration is in there was has been much more open to dealing with with, with stuff on a team basis yeah than um than them trying to make decisions you know and it's, it's funny like one time i had a a school administrator said well I, I looked at it and i didn't think it was a crime oh okay uh actually here are the three code sections that it violates and you don't make that determination <laughs> right. all right so all that to say this you know you don't want an sro and they're telling some assistant principal about how they should be doing something with the school related because that's gonna sure. i would i would react the same way if i were assistant principal absolutely as i reacted to the ap telling me mm -hmm. or you know, you have some major incident breakout in the school. Well, where was the SRO? Well, they asked him to go out and unlock unlock the gate behind the football field for a delivery that was coming into the concession yeah. stand. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's um, should cops be involved in school discipline issues, or should school be handling school discipline issues? There's a difference between <laughs> a crime and a discipline issue. Yeah, and that's the school's job. Yeah, they should yeah. be putting them in that position because that goes against everything I said was positive about them. Because yeah. now they're no longer that resource for kids. They're someone that's coming to get them in trouble. That's not what they're there for. They're there yeah. to enforce the law if the law needs to be enforced, but they're not there to, to be a deterrent or be called upon to deal with your classroom management that you can't handle. That's your fault. Right. You know? So, yeah, I have a problem with that. You might be able to tell that from my response. <laughs> <laughs> the old principal in me comes out real quick right there. Do yeah. your job. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then you don't have that problem. Uh, there was a, a big incident in, in DeKalb County. I think it was DeKalb uh, several years ago where a cop was arresting uh, someone on the school grounds and the principal tried to physically intervene. For real, yeah. Did he get arrested too? She did. Okay. Yeah. She did, and it actually ended up in a change in the state law as to which judges could sign a warrant against these 
principle and everything. Right. It was ridiculous and everything. I don't know what it solved, but <laughs> um, yeah. So physically, physically intervened in, in against an arrest of a whatever. Wow. Yeah. You know. I'm I'm blessed. <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna say that right now. Yeah, I don't have a lot of those issues. <laughs> yeah. And and I and I work in an area in which. All right, the two public high schools where I work are both in the top, I think it's top 2% in the United States. So our problems aren't the same problems as everybody else's problems. Sure, sure. Everything. I, I, we don't have a lot of the inner city stuff that, that goes mm-hmm. on, yeah. thankfully. Yeah. Thankfully. Um, before we get into selection and, and training and how you did all that stuff with your staff, mm-hmm. um, I want to talk about FERPA. Okay. Uh, because I think this is one of those other areas that the general public just has absolutely zero understanding about. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Folk, most people are going to be familiar somewhat with HIPAA, mm-hmm. you know, the health insurance, whatever it is, portable, right. basically yeah. the privacy laws around yeah. medical records. Right. Like. Folks, there is actually a federal law. Uh, it's the Federal Education Rights Privacy, privacy Act. Act. Yep. I believe is what it stands mm-hmm. for. That's it. Um, that basically makes it illegal for schools to disclose disciplinary actions yes. revolving a specific student. Exactly. Yeah. So, for example, if you are a student in my school and I'm the principal and, and you get in a fight with Johnny and your dad calls and says, well, who do you get in a fight with? My answer has to legally be you'll have to ask Lee. <laughs> that's how serious FERPA is, you know, and uh, and people don't understand that because that's not how we work in everyday society. Um, and they're not exposed to that the, the way that we are. And, uh, and it is difficult sometimes to explain that to people, particularly when their emotions are running kind of high. And, and then just like, uh, well, an example, not referring necessarily to this one, but to my staff, um, come out of a school board meeting uh, where, um, because we, this was actually right right when school started this year. We started in early August. So we had our first board meeting there and we had our policies renewed. So uh, it was on the public meeting and uh, I'm leaving the meeting and two people stopped me and say, well, who else on your staff? Can't tell you that. Why not? Because, well, there's a lot of reasons we keep that um quiet but uh you know and i, I i'm using this as this isn't far but it's an example but they they went on to ask well can you give me ages you know and that's a question that i've gotten before as a principal when i couldn't disclose information about a student and i'm like no and then why can't you give me an age because that's yeah. an identifying thing about that right. individual that still violates FERPA. so it, right. it it is a very difficult thing to manage deal with that people sometimes don't understand yeah and folks, if you think I'm contradicting myself from earlier when I was talking about the Congress can't mandate things on the school system, <laughs> this is one of those things where yeah. uh Department of Education and funding yes. and everything comes in. And if you violate FERPA, they can pull funding. So it's not like they're, anybody's going to go to prison over it, but there's going to be some hefty financial penalties involved. Yeah. And, you know. Uh, if you do it just right, you might be in front of a judge. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. they could, it could yeah. yeah, it's it's a yeah. dangerous thing. And you could easily get lawsuits over it. Yes. And yeah. the like. Mm-hmm. Um, I teach college level political science classes. 
and I can't even disclose to a parent how their student is doing in my class because the students theoretically they're adult now. Yeah. Um, I know that's different from school age students when parents mm -hmm. come in, right. but, but say I've got your, your son in my college, uh, American government one-on-one class mm -hmm. and you email me. Yeah. How's my son doing? Whatever. Kind of same answer you gave. You're going to have to talk to your son about <laughs> yeah. that. And I, I can't <laughs> I can't discuss yep. it with you. Yeah. As I recently had the daughter of a girl that I went to kindergarten with in my class. That's how old I am now. Yeah. And she actually married another, married a guy that I went to school with as well. And so I know both parents and like the daughters in my class. And it's like they reach out. <laughs> you know, has, it makes yeah. it very tough. Yeah. yeah. Like, like I was telling you before we came on, yeah. I had that a friend that I went to school with and it yeah. was involved in something. He's like, yeah. Jeff, just tell me. I'm like, dude, I can't, you know, he's like, you can tell me. No, I really can't. Yeah. You know, but it's hard for him to understand. Yeah. yeah. What we see happen is something happens in a school. And the rumor mill gets started. Yes. And, you know, things start getting conflated mm -hmm. or they start mixing things from multiple instances together and it grows and grows and grows. And then it's all the people start calling, demanding to know what was done yes. about X, who it was, yeah. et cetera. And all we can say from the law enforcement side is we investigated it. We took the legal action that we were you know, we, we could take, we cannot disclose anything to you, but the whatever, because here's the thing, the school can't even tell us internal disciplinary things. Yeah, it, it's hard to deal with. And that that's the hardest yeah. issues to deal with. Like, for example, because of FERPA, I can't tell a perfect story for this, right? right. <laughs> but, right. but what I can do is explain um, a scenario. And uh, in, in this scenario, just like you were saying, there, let's say that somebody makes a comment that can be taken as a threat, and uh -huh. it's after hours, and there's no one at school, but school's yeah. coming up the next day, and you've got yeah. to, regardless of the time of day or night, you got to deal with that, right? Mm -hmm. And you're going to be working in conjunction with, with the sheriff's department or the police department, whatever your jurisdiction is, and through that process, you might find out that there was absolutely zero to this, but all you can do is exactly what you just said is put out a statement that the threat was investigated and no evidence of a threat or, or, or any danger to the school is, has been found. We're good to go. And that is never going to be enough. Right. And part, and part of me as a parent understands that. Oh, right. Man. But as a school person, it's very frustrating just as it is for law enforcement, not to right. be able to say, this came from, well, in one instance, we actually did get a threat from a school locally that had a school with the same name, same mascot, same colors in Arizona, believe it or not. I mean, there's so many schools, that's really not that uncommon. But um, the threat was actually for two years old for the school in Arizona, and it made social media here. Yeah. So there was a frenzy for three or four hours until it yeah. was made known that the threat actually occurred in another state two years ago. But like you said, before that was over and before that information was put out, uh, there was already suspects and they needed to have search warrants to go check this house. And, we're, you know, right. 
those poor kids they, they did nothing <laughs> you know? yeah. So, but yeah that that's a big issue and it's hard to deal with when you get in those situations because if you if you could just tell the truth life would be a lot easier and people yeah. would be able to relax but yeah. you just can't do that you know yeah, and sometimes you know there's a report of a threat or something like that and you go and you look at it and say there's not enough evidence mm-hmm. to continue uh, or or to make an arrest or, or do whatever. And I can't speak to school, what their policies are as far as internal stuff. But, uh, you know, you go look at it from a law enforcement perspective, there's not evidence to, to proceed, mm-hmm. but you kind of wonder, okay, I don't yeah. have enough evidence to make an arrest, but is this, this legit? Right. And, yeah. you know, and that, that gets to be very problem. There's been a couple where I was like, Man, I just, yeah. I just don't know on this one. Uh, right. I can't yeah. I, I can't make the arrest and I can't do that. But I I really don't know if there's something here. Sure. And the good thing about that, at least from our standpoint as the schools, is we do have a little more leeway to deal with a situation like mm-hmm. that. So we have a, a magic thing that we can do called administrative absences, mm-hmm. uh, which does not, Lee Weems is not counted absent that day. It does not count against his attendance. Anything he misses can be made up while we figure mm-hmm. out whether or not we need to do anything with Lee, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that's something we use very um, reluctantly, you know, because it's got to be a serious situation like you're talking about where you mm-hmm. legitimately have something you're trying to figure out. Right. It's not just something you throw around uh, all the time just to make it life easier. But we do have a little bit more leeway with that. And that's come in handy sometimes because this stuff is not clear all the time. You you know, well, more than I do with what you do for a living, how how dirty things can get when you're trying to figure out the truth. And with social media and the way that rumors run, like you're saying, before you get to it, I mean, you've got literally 3000 versions of what's happened. Yeah. And take, that takes time to sort out. So that that is one thing that at least where I'm at in, in Mississippi, I'm sure every other state has a very similar policy to that, where we can buy ourselves a little time to figure it out. Because truth be told, and some people may not like it the way I'm going to word this, but most of the time you're working more to prove that this kid <laughs> didn't do anything than yeah. that they actually did. Um <laughs> Because literally 90% of the things that get turned yeah. in turn out to be false, yeah. which I'm sure is the same, the calls, some of the calls you guys get and stuff like that. But, yeah. you know, so it's, you know, you're talking to a parent, for example, give me time to prove that Lee didn't do this. Okay. Quit yeah. looking at it. Like I'm trying to get him thrown in jail. Let me, let right. me figure out what's happening, you know? So, yeah. yeah. In my former position, people would be amazed at how much time I spent trying to keep people out of jail versus putting people in jail. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you know, here's folks, we, we, we've already talked about the Constitution and our system numerous times. Well, everybody thinks of the Fifth Amendment with right to a lawyer, right to, well, that's Sixth Amendment, right to remain silent, all that kind of stuff. Okay. The other part of the Fifth Amendment is that a person may not be deprived of their life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Yeah. And we can't just arbitrarily do things because guess what? Schools are are an agent of the state. Mm -hmm. And so the Fifth Amendment applies to school discipline actions as well. There is a legal right to a hearing. Yes. Yeah. And And, 
And, and we have a, you know, Supreme Court ruling. They don't lose their rights when they enter the school door. You know? right. <laughs> I mean, that, that is a thing. And yeah, I mean, and that's part of the problem. Not problem. Let me rephrase yeah. that. That's part of the problem with dealing with the situations mm-hmm. is that people don't want to wait to let that play out. They want to right. head on a stick. Yeah. And, you know, you just can't give them a head on a stick to make people happy because then people that didn't do anything, obviously get put in situations that can be detrimental to their school career or even affect them moving on in life. Right. So we, you got to take your time with that. We got to be right. And if that takes time and people gripe at us, then that's okay. Because if we need to figure out if this is really a problem, we're going to take however long it figures out to figure out if we need to do something about this and be actionable. We have delayed a start of school and you know, you can't win when it comes to school closures. If, if they either want you to go to school, or they don't want you to go to school, whichever one you pick, it's wrong. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, but we'll do that, you know, whether it be a, a weather event or whether it be a threat, you know, that has happened all across this country. Many times I've been part of it. If we can't invalidate this threat, we're not going to put kids in that position. We're going to err on that side of caution uh, every time. And we're going to make sure that we, vet this information and figure out what's going on and make the right call. And, and, and thankfully I'm blessed. We got a great sheriff and a great sheriff's department and city police at our neighboring city there that, that works with us really well and helps us get to the bottom of things pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, just on the whole legal side and right to hearing, I want to throw this in uh, Metro Atlanta County had an instance where a student defended himself yeah, another student attacked him. He defended himself. The mm-hmm. school system took the, we have a zero tolerance mm-hmm. on yeah. fighting. You're both whatever. And the student that defended himself, and it was a clear-cut case of self-defense, right. actually challenged the school's decision based mm-hmm. on the state law that had a right to self-defense. And he actually got it into the superior court system, and the school's discipline action got overturned sure because the school, the school can't make a policy that supersedes mm-hmm. what the state law is. Right. And I heard about that. Well, I wish I had known that in mm-hmm. 1989 or 90 when I got, had, <laughs> when I defended myself for the school fight, right. I got it. Yeah. I got a day of in-school suspension. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> uh, thankfully, I got one day, the other guy got three. Mm-hmm. When the standing policy at the time was anybody involved in a fight got five. Sure. But when we went to the assistant principal's office, the other guy told the principal straight up, it's like, look, I came to school today looking for a fight. And he's the first person that gave me a halfway decent excuse to, to do it. Yeah. And he, he didn't start it. I started it. I yeah. was going to fight somebody today. Right. And he was just the guy. Yeah. And the AP looked over at me and said, is that true? I said, I knew I was in a fight after he hit me. I, it was all, man. Yes, I, I, I'm not going to dispute. <laughs> you know his 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 version of things here, and the AP's like, "Well, Lee, you were in a fight, so you got to have something." I'm like, "Wait a minute, he just said he started it. <laughs> he he attacked me and everything, and." And since, since you were honest, you're only going to get three days is what he told the other guy. Then he tried to recruit him to the football team. And there you go. Yeah. yeah. Those, those policies like that are difficult. And, you know, 
we, like I'm sure everybody else, meet multiple times throughout the year to discuss policy. And at the end of the year, we adjust everything the best we can to avoid those kind of situations. Um, Because you can, you can paint yourself into a corner where you're going to get yourself in trouble. You know, and some of the worst situations I've been in with parents is when I didn't discipline the other kid who had nothing to do with starting a fight. Uh, that's one I've held my ground on since I've been in this business and will always will because, you know, and one in particular I'm thinking about, you know, and again, I can't talk about it, but I can say this, you know, if you just walk into school one day and just find somebody and knock them out, you're getting into some legal issues uh-huh. that, you know, that could be assault. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you're looking at it in certain ways, right. So, yeah, I mean, there's a, <laughs> I've never understood that both have to be punished. No, they really don't. All right. Uh, here, here's kind of a off topic, but parallel to what we're, we're speaking of right at this instant. Uh, teenage girl takes pictures of herself mm-hmm. without her clothing. And she sends them to her boyfriend. No teenage boy has ever gotten naked pictures of a girl and shown them to his buddies. Right. Never nobody, happened. Nobody that. airdrops that to the cafeteria. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, those things don't become like trading cards amongst the guys. It, it just doesn't happen. We're being facetious <laughs> on that. It just doesn't happen. Yes, very much. <laughs> <Being Yeah. facetious. laughs> or we're madly in love this week. So I send you this picture uh-huh. next week. We're broken up. And you dumped me for that guy. Okay, now I'm going to send your picture all around the school. Well, then it gets out and the girl's parents file a police report. Mm -hmm. And we start investigating. We find, yep, her picture's been sent around, all this kind of stuff. And they're demanding that all these boys be charged with possession of child pornography. Right. Yes, ma'am. Um understand that tomorrow when their parents all come in here and demand that your daughter be arrested for manufacturing and distributing <laughs> they don't daughter. think about that part <laughs> right they're just they're guilty of possession she's guilty of manufacturing distributing. and distributing <laughs> yeah. uh that's a very 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 you know more serious thing so how about this why don't you all go be parents uh-huh and we'll keep the government out of it. Yeah. And uh, I may or may not have been in that exact conversation before a few uh-huh. times. <laughs> yeah. That that is yeah. a problem. We laugh, but we're not laughing at the situation because it's a right. serious problem. But that that is the way to look at it. And they forget that part. Yeah. yeah. That, that, well, she technically instigated this. Yeah. Right. And it happens on both sides, too. Yeah. <laughs> Male and female. Yeah. All right. So... We've gotten to the point where the laws say that school staff can be armed. The school board approves, yes, we're going to have armed school staff. Mm-hmm. We've gotten through the point of we've written our policy and our insurance carrier didn't drop us. We're good to go. Everything's in place legally. We're going to have school staff. Mm-hmm. It's not just as simple as like everybody all that you want to carry a gun, go down to the gun store and buy one to show up, right? No, not even close. But that is the perception a lot of people have when you announce mm-hmm. something like this. And here's here's what's amazing about it is you you promote and advertise a meeting 
for the community where you're going to discuss this before um, it goes to the school board. And uh, six people show up, right? Yeah. <laughs> And then, then, then after the policy gets approved, everybody thinks, "Well, I can just come in there and have a concealed carry license or license to carry, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm good to go, right?" Yeah. No, you're not. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that is um, that is an issue. And and out of the candidates that we've had, I will say about forty percent is my best estimate. I don't have the numbers in front of me because I'm a data freak. I have all that, but. Um, about 40% has eliminated themselves from contention when they find out they've actually got a trade yeah. and that their eight hour Mississippi enhanced permit course was not enough and they can't carry it in their pocket boot or backpack. Yeah. And yeah. that's the, the, the boots got a lot of people, you know, they can't uh-huh. carry them. Like, no, no, you're not carrying in a boot. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's, I mean, unfortunately, and we know that that's the mindset of some people right um and and they just don't know any better right so yeah and we have a what we feel like is a pretty stringent training programs you got to get through uh to make that work first you you do have to have our version of the enhanced firearms permit and then you have to go through um, an interview process and i have two questions for you what is the definition of deadly force by the law in mississippi and uh are you willing to put in the work to be a part of this program? And based on the answer, they give me to, excuse me, to number one, that leads into a lot of different questions. You know, and we, we're really looking for mindset right there. And we're looking for a, excuse me. We're looking for mindset and we're looking for what kind of state of mind they're going to be in. And why, why do they want to do this to begin with, you know? And, um, so uh, I apologize. I got a tickle in my throat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm mute button and cough. All right. Well, folks, here's the thing is Jeff is very Excuse well trained. I was right out there. I believe Jeff's range master certified instructor, as well as a, as a bunch of other things. I know he's trained with Ed Monk a good bit. Um, so Jeff is actually putting thought in behind. And he, he's running a training program and, and it's serious. They've got to meet certain standards. Right. Uh, yeah. to, to hear that. That's, as we said, there's 50 states, however many locality, school systems, and everything to go. Folks, there very, may, very, may very well be some school system that says, okay, you got your carrier license, that's good. Or, or even, not even that. Or they may put somebody through an NRA basic pistol course and call yeah. them, you know, mm-hmm. oh, they're trained now. Um, I forget the exact wording of the Georgia law, uh, but it's basically they have to have training on par with what a peace officer would get, which, quite frankly, there's a lot of cops walking around that aren't qualified to carry guns. And if that's the standard we're holding teachers to, you know, it's we can have those debates. If you're listening to this show, you're probably very interested in firearms training and the like. And you're like, I get to train. That's great. <laughs> yeah. But that's not the, that's not the mindset out there prevailing mindset anyway. No, it's not. And just since we've been on here, I've had a series of text messages. I have two day training for the, these guys starting tomorrow. Um, tomorrow is Saturday. We're going through two days of training and uh, it's a new group that's coming in and uh some of the questions i get are absolutely 
interesting. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> but you, you get into staffing there too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ten teachers in the school system are going to be involved in the in the school program. Mm-hmm. They have to go through training. All right. Are you having to get substitutes for them in their classrooms on the days because if they're at work, you got to pay them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's the Fair yeah. Labor Standards Act. Yeah. Um, so, now, granted, if you can do training over the summer, if you can do training, but there's got to be mm-hmm. skills assistance, you know, throughout uh, the year. Yes, yes. But, uh, all right, you just said you got training tomorrow. That Friday is a school mm-hmm. day. It is. So for yeah. all of those staff in there, there has to be a substitute brought in and paid for. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And and that is something we're willing to willing to do. Um, because what, we're, what we do is we don't always train on school days. Um, mm-hmm. Sundays is pretty difficult here. Um, right. Most most are going to church and uh, spending mm-hmm. family time, so we try to avoid that. So mm-hmm. usually Friday, Saturday is a good time for us. But there's a lot of different um, professional development days and things like that to sprinkle into the school year. There's fall yeah. breaks or spring breaks, things like that. So we spend the vast majority of those days eating those up for training because they fall the way they fall. It actually works out good. Cause once you get in our program, when you cycle around the next year, you requalify and you got 40 more hours of training. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it keeps me able to keep running those guys through, you know, they're getting the ones that are already in are getting their continued education and the new cohorts are able to work it on top of that. And it, it flows really well. Uh, so. Um, what kind of standards are you holding your people to now folks understand this is Jeff and the school system that he works in. Don't extrapolate right. that to every school's safety. <laughs> to, yeah. This is just Jeff's. Yeah. So um, for pretty high standards, um, I think. So when you, when you first start out, after you go through that initial interview process, you have a, a two day and we're just, we're working with the tool. It's a, it's a pistols um, handgun development course. Um, where I'm, I'm evaluating your skills throughout and it culminates with a, a written test, about 50 questions, um, what you would expect, um, on that type of written test. And then the shooting qualifications, we start with, uh, we do what our sheriff's department does. I forget oh. Mississippi's letter terms. It's not post, it's below yeah. or something like that. Yeah. We shoot that we get warmed up we shoot the FBI and, uh, we get a little more warmed up like Mr. Gibbons tells us. And, and then, uh, we shoot my qual, which is, um, uh, the part times are a little more relaxed because of what we're doing. And, yeah. um, I credit that to Ed. He, 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 I was talking to him about this and, and he, he reminded me, you're not in a parking lot. You're in a school yeah. shooter situation. And I said, you're right. That makes a lot of sense. So I did relax the part-times a little bit, and I did cut out the three-yard line. Yeah. You can do it at five and seven. You can do it at three, right? So we're five to 25 yards. Um, there's dominant, non-dominant hand in there. There's a lot of – what I do have a little bit different is I have a lot of um, head box shots at the five and seven. Um, and those are – and I was asked by a mutual friend of ours, um, why so many – why why those head shots at seven yards? because it's pure marksmanship uh-huh. <laughs> um and i want to see that because uh-huh. you know there is no such thing as a miss only unintended hits we know that and in this situation another quote from ed that i live by with this is 
it's not a difficult task, but it's a stressful task, yeah. right? So we're going to be able to identify that person, but we may have a very chaotic scene in front of us. And I hold them to a little bit higher level of marksmanship because of that. Uh, so we do a little bit more of that in the qualification, but everything else is pretty standard is what you'd see in a range master type qualification yeah. based off of that backing up to 25 yards. Yeah. And, again on the viewpoint of that it's not like we're dealing with someone comes up to us in a parking lot and all of a sudden jerks out a screwdriver right right and demanding our wallet uh it's we're probably not going to have our gun out and be going unless there's somebody already shooting exactly yeah and so the paradigm has shifted there a little bit mm -hmm. and then you know you may be in a crowd you may be school hallways are pretty long yes mm-hmm uh, that is one thing that that hopefully is being addressed in new school construction is that they build schools kind of with kind of engineering things. We've got a school in my county that the first time I walked in there, looked from a standpoint of how will we respond to an incident here. Yeah. I walked in, I looked yeah. at my word. Yeah. Tactical my nightmare. word. Mm -hmm. Uh I don't know how if somebody if somebody knew what they were doing could control that entire school system from one spot. I mean yeah. that entire school building from one spot. Yeah. Yeah. If you had two working in conjunction, yeah. so like we had at Columbine, wow, I, I don't know how we could we could deal with that effectively. But then you also go back to we've got schools that are still in operation that were built in the fifties. Right, right. That's what I'm dealing with. Yeah. 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 And as they have renovated schools, they have put in, you know, where the doors all lock. You mm -hmm. got to go in and you got to go to a, to a controlled access point. Yep. To, but that all works until the door mouth is broken, like we right. saw in Uvalde. Mm -hmm. Or you just shoot through one of the windows. I mean, yeah. you know, the, yeah. and that, you know, makes people feel good. We know that, yeah. you know, and, and, and it does have somewhat of a deterrent effect, I guess. But yeah, it is a tactical nightmare the way some of these old schools are laid out. But I have been in a few new ones recently and looking at, you know, they didn't build these prior to 1998 mm -hmm. for school shooters with that in mind. They built it yeah. for convenience and flow. And then, of course, a lot of these schools, like you're talking about the older ones, are similar to what we're dealing with in our district or have been added on to. Yeah. And then you just look, you know, you're adding all these different twists and turns and, and areas and fatal funnels and everything else. And it's just yeah. a walk around every day. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh. and you know, our SROs are the same way and walk on the sheriff one day and he's like, what do y'all do? I was like, man, <laughs> the best we can do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what yeah. we got. But the newer ones are much better. Uh, the way yeah. they're building them, they're building them kind of with these V's and you can, yeah. you can put a lot of convex mirrors up and things like that. And you can see everything and yeah. uh, it's much, much better. Yeah. Uh, of course, then you get into the situation when schools start getting overcrowded, they start putting up mobile units. Yes. Uh, and then, well, yeah. And, yeah. Like, and, you know, shots fired at the school. Right. Where? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where? I was actually, this um, late last school year, I was asked to come to a district in the state that had, had some legitimate problems with violence on campus. 
And uh, I think it was a CYA thing, but, you know, yeah. they asked me to come in and spend time at every school in the district and give them an evaluation of what I'm seeing from what we're doing as far as our school safety and as a former administrator, what what can they do better? And that's what I walked into. I walked into one school and it's, you know, there's four or five trailers back behind it. Uh, I mean, it's just, and I'm like, man, I'm going to write you up a report, but, uh, you know, God bless you. Yeah. It's just, it's tough. But yeah. what that really, what it really comes down to with that, and I'm maybe getting off topic, I apologize, yeah. is, is I teach our staff at the beginning of each year. And then again, when we come back from Christmas and we're having professional developments, I teach a class called Conscious Safety that every staff member comes through at some point. And what that is, a fancy term for situational awareness applied to our crisis management plan. Uh-huh. Uh, because I think at the end of the day, what this comes down to when you're talking about <clears throat> managing school safety is no different than what we're talking about with people walking around in condition white through color, Cooper's color yeah. codes, right? And if you just make that effort, you know, to to operate in, in orange, you know, life is so much easier. But yeah, but with the, and you can lock all the doors, you can put the access control on and you can buy technology. But then the day, if you don't have a real crisis management plan that's done with fidelity and it's practiced with fidelity with tabletops, legitimate drills. And then mm-hmm. teachers that actually are not just spitting off a bunch of code names. We've dropped code names. That, that, yeah. That's the stupidest thing ever. Yeah. There is a tornado coming. Execute the tornado yeah. drill. There's yeah. a fire in a wing. Mm-hmm. Leave the building. There's an active shooter in the cafeteria. Do what yeah. you're supposed to do. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's what it really comes down to is operating all that. The crisis management plan with fidelity. I mean, yeah. and your building's what it is. And it's, I, I want to speak in defense of school personnel here, because I, obviously I'm coming from a law enforcement perspective. Mm-hmm. Think, folks, think back to your elementary school and that teacher that was like your loving grandmother and everything mm-hmm. like that. That's a certain mindset that gravitates to that, that profession. And you expect them to be a stone cold. Yeah. you know methodical killer yeah and because folks that's what we're talking about in the event of a school shooting since like they've got to switch from yeah. hey sit on my knee and let me read you a story to i'm going to go kill that guy to stop him from killing other people right that's a pretty big switch for people to be able to flip it's a huge one and uh yeah. you know i tell people all the time academia is not filled with tactical proficiency right it's not it's not the kind of people you're dealing with right it makes it difficult yeah and it's just sometimes you know when we have an incident at at a school and you you go and the the staff starts telling you what they did in response and it's like you try to keep a straight face (laughs) (laughs) oh mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. yeah yeah all righty then yeah yeah Yeah. i can only imagine (laughs) yeah and uh you know and you they're good people you they're great they're just that's not the way their mind works no no no, it's not their fault you know i mean it's 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 difficult like you said you can't flip that switch you know the the hours of training you've been through Mm -hmm. you know 
they've been through the opposite that many hours of training to nurture and educate students right. to defend that. I mean, so and, and and getting them just to get out of that mindset of it's not going to happen here. If you can do that, you've achieved something. If, yeah. if you can avoid complacency, you've achieved something. Yeah. If you can get them to pay attention and get out of condition white, you've really achieved something. And yeah. uh, but. But thankfully, we do have, you know, I hope every district's this way, especially those that are considering arming their staff. There there are people out there that can handle it. And the, and there's, you know, frankly, I'll admit, there's been some that's really surprised me. Yeah. And and that's been awesome. And I've really enjoyed that part of it, you know. And, uh, you know, you become a little family, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, you work together and you, you end up doing a lot of things together. And and watch each other grow and they're really uh it's just been a been a very cool thing i'll say that yeah. uh i think i've told this in past as episodes of the show but we'll bring it up here because we've got new people i have a distant cousin that is the sheriff of a county in tennessee and after one of the big school shooting essences i don't remember which one of them was uh he researched and came up found a product um I think it was called the Barracuda. It was basically a way to lock the school doors uh-huh. in each classroom. And he figured up how much money went around each school, counted all the doors, all that oh, kind man. of stuff, and how much how many how much money they needed because they cost X amount of dollars and right. everything. And he goes public with if we can raise this much money, we can put one of these in each classroom so the teachers can can lock the door to the classroom in the event of, a, of an active shooter situation well, i sent enough money for him to buy two yeah i'm gonna, I'm gonna help out with, with, with sure. the calls there the fire marshal state fire marshal in his state uh challenged him over this because it violated the fire code, fire code. Yep. and so that's one of yep. the things we didn't talk about earlier in the legal Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, yeah. Ed does a really good job of talking about that because, yeah. and his his thing is, when's the last time somebody died in a fire in a school? Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, fifties, <laughs> 40s somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah. yeah, but that that's true. There's there's other entities that's going to be involved in some of this. Yeah, uh-huh. and uh, my cousin he actually fought it at the state level and won and got approval to put him in. Uh, I approached these schools in which every school in which I had a family member. And I said, I will buy one of these per family member that I have in your school. Yeah. I've got a, a first cousin at your or second cousin at your school. I got a nephew. Mm-hmm. I got whatever. Like I said, I will buy one for my student that's at your school. You know, and if you can, if you'll put them in, and everything right. and no school took me up on it really yeah hmm. and but we also go to the what we talked about earlier these these people that are trying to cash in they're selling these systems yeah. on that kind of stuff mm-hmm. a lot of when i say a lot of this broad brush but i see school systems that buy into some of that stuff because then they have done something yeah that's it that's yeah. exactly right yeah yeah oh, we bought the security monitoring system Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so we've, we've reacted yeah and that, uh, that's, that's part of the problem it's just a reactionary thing to say we've done something yeah i right. mean 
<laughs> that, that gets me a little bit fired up. I mean, yeah. Because uh, <laughs> again, it, it's a, it's a human problem that's got to be solved with human interaction. Right. You yeah. can't just buy it away. It's not going right. to happen. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you know, you go to here's the other thing: the failures everybody knows about. They might not know the right. correct facts. Right. But the failures everybody knows about, the successes tend to get just overlooked. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're just washed away. Yeah. Nobody, uh, nobody knows about that. Of course, a, and, and when I say success, I know people are automatically thinking of Nashville compared to Uvalde. No, no that's, that's not what you're talking about. <laughs> right. But, but, but the best successes are the student was, if it's a student, and most of these are students in the schools, right. was identified case was was made student removed from the school etc nobody and we have we we, yeah. we averted the whole thing and nobody will ever know right know about any of that uh yeah. but they'll know if we, if we screw it up exactly you're right because right. that happens frequently yeah. you know as soon as you started talking about that i'm just thinking of instances just yeah. popping into my head. yeah i mean yeah. That, that is true it does go under the radar and you know that's the thing you know schools mm-hmm. law enforcement other mm-hmm. entities like ours we can't go around saying oh yeah today we stopped three shooters we arrested them and we took in four guns you know yeah they don't and you can't do that and people right. do just focus on the bad things yeah right uh, you know yeah people want to do something but they want it to be done easily mm-hmm. yeah and they think that absolves everything versus this program like you've got going that's a lot of effort and a lot of work it and is. it's recurring it, yes it doesn't end yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah because it's all it's 64 hours initial training uh, mm-hmm. 40 hours uh, each year that you remain in the program um and that and you know and anybody else that teaches knows you're constantly reevaluating that and changing you learn something new you know we just had the range master instructor conference a few weeks back i picked up uh, some great stuff from everybody up there that made its way into the program in some form or fashion so things get adopted and you know and you, <laughs> yeah it's a constant thing and then there's the behind the scenes stuff you know i mean meetings with attorneys things like that that, that, that nobody knows about as well because something's always challenged you know mm-hmm. and that's another one of those things behind the scenes that nobody knows about you know um, uh, we have had an instance where we had to go in and sit down and 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 fight a challenge to the program you know um that you know we came out okay with that but yeah it's it's always something you mentioned that there was a state somewhere i I can't remember which state it was where the legislature passed the law Mm -hmm. allowing for school staff and someone filed a lawsuit against it and won the lawsuit oh really Uh, i don't think that was me uh I, i can't remember which state it was but basically the 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 states specified like kind of like we're here in Georgia was training equivalent to law enforcement or whatever. Mm-hmm. And someone successfully argued that the wording of the law meant that the teachers had to go get certified as a cop and Ooh. it killed the whole thing. And <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can't think of which state it was. Hmm. Right off the yeah. bat. And it's, it's one of the usual suspects, but uh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. What about this topic? Have I not asked you about that? Everybody just needs to know. Um, 
I don't know. Most people are just interested in what I, what do we do in training? <laughs> you know, yeah. They're not really concerned about the nuts and bolts of that. Um, I think probably, um, I think we've pretty much hit it all. Yeah. Um, for the most part. Yeah. Cause uh, again, most people just want to know about what we do and what they have to shoot. <laughs> the shooting just gets you in the door that's the beginning of the training (laughs) that's that's what i tell them because uh, the vast the most important part of our training is what we're doing you know with the study um, with the the mindset and looking at these you know watching we fortunately we have a lot of video we can review and just like old coaching days you know we're going to break that film down and see what we can do in the event, you know, that this happens to us and we can have those pre-programmed responses in place uh, that we can execute, Lord willing, if we ever get in that situation. Uh, but yeah, that's the thing that I really wish more people would be interested in and understand about these programs is it's not the tool, it's the person. We all know that, you know, and and again, that, that initial two-day gun course is just to get you in the door. And then we're, we're doing a lot of, what I want to get to Lee, which is going to take a lot of work on my end and a lot of training on my end eventually. But if I'm in this long enough, I want the whole program to revolve around reality-based training, but how, how to get that to work on budgets and uh, you know, and recreating school shootings. If you're wanting to do force on force and things like that is difficult. So what we do right now, we do a very light force on force and we just do your typical seven 11 scenarios just to get them involved in it. Um, And it's not anything special. It's just with airsoft, um, you know, and uh you know, that's where I see the program going and where I want it to go, uh, because I think that's ultimately the best way to train for anything. But uh, particularly this this particular threat, um, you know, because we can if you have the initial t- skill set to get in, we can continue to refine that. That's not a problem. Right. Yeah. But re- refining the actual execution of the situation in chaos in real life that's what i'm trying to get it to and that's that's a lot of work and hopefully one day maybe i can obtain that (laughs) if i understand you are specifying method of carry and etc it's not like they can just go lock their file cabinet in the classroom yeah and the bulk of the policy actually bases around that it has to be carried inside the waistband either strong side or appendix no small the back um no cross draw obviously um no off-body carry whatsoever. It's got to be a Kydex holster form-fitted for the firearm. Um, it's got to have a minimum 10-round capacity. Um, and that, uh, not necessarily a capacity-free, but uh-huh. you do need some capacity for this type of threat. You know, the, the Smith 686 ain't going to get it done. You know, I mean, I guess it could. Big Stacy did it with 357. Uh-huh. But, you know, odds are we we might need more than seven rounds in a Glock 43 plus I mean we all know you're going to shoot a full-size gun better and we also know that even though some of these people didn't know this until they actually got the program you can conceal a full-size gun very easily and fairly comfortable with the right gear and the right setup and once they've realized that you know I get them set up in that set up the right way you know because I get the initial you mean that holster costs that much money 
Well, dude, that's that's part of the purchase of your gun. Start thinking of it that way. All right. Um, and this is going to do you well for an extended period of time, and then it's going to tear up, and you're going to replace it. And that's just the price of doing business. Um, but then they they get a decent belt, and they're like, oh, wow, okay, this worked. So, yeah, we have pretty tight restrictions on the, the modes of carry and the firearms that are allowed. And, uh, you know, we don't limit them to certain guns because – Number one, we're depriving people of the ability to shoot their best. <laughs> I mean, if we force everybody to put a Glock in their hand just because I love them doesn't mean everybody else does, right? And and uh, we have, I mean, I'll say this without giving away too much, we have females. And, uh, you know, some of them, the Glock 48 is a work of art, but for others... There's different firearms out there that do better for them. So, yeah. So, but yeah, that's the, the big thing when I, I built that policy from the motor carry out. Okay. Um, I think yeah, because what's the biggest concern gun getting exposed, left out, uh, whatever, you know, so that's where we started with the policy and I built it out from there. Yeah. yeah. Well, give me a commercial for Born Training Solutions. <laughs> Dot com. <laughs> well, um, really, Born Training Solutions is just the the name of the LLC to separate it out from Jeff Born. So, yeah, mainly what I do is, uh, as I said at the beginning, I I'm very fortunate. Uh, Patriot Training Center down in East Aboga. I do a lot of work down there. We do um, one to two classes a month down there. Um, usually two day weekend courses um, based around gateway instruction. Um, and uh, people can check that out on social media at PatriotTrainingCenter.com and the Patriot Center on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and all that. Um, I'm not good at the social media side of it. <laughs> But um, we do have some videos and stuff up there people can check out. And then, you know, when I'm not doing that, um, I'm trying to follow people like Akil and Tiffany around and learn everything I can uh, from them and uh, whoever else is in my area that I can go hang targets for. Uh, but but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And when I'm not doing that, I'm training somebody at school. I, I'm blessed, Lee. I mean, I, I've got a dream job. I mean, I'm basically a full time trainer now. Uh, and getting paid for it and still getting to work with kids, uh, you know, and uh, I'm not a principal anymore. So I don't have to go to ball games every weekend and I can yeah. go train and do things. So I'm a blessed. I'm very fortunate. Yeah. All right. um, do you do any type of consulting for school safety teams and, and the like? I do to an extent. What I'm not going to do is go put in a program for you. I've been asked to do that. Um, and I'm not going to do that because of what you alluded to earlier on. What's the follow up to that? You know, I can come train you for a couple of days. That's not what you need. You know, you you need a, a legitimate program that's going to be put in place and uh, followed up on and followed through with. So, but what I do is I, I have had a little bit of work where uh, people ask me to come in and evaluate or talk to them about the program that I run, which I'm always glad to just do that. So that that's always an option. Yeah. So I, I do a little bit of that. All righty. Uh, well, folks, um, Unfortunately, my upcoming stuff, I have one class, one spot remaining in trigger management in Cisco, Georgia, September the 23rd. Uh, that class didn't sell, didn't sell, didn't sell, and then everybody bought tickets to it, <laughs> uh, thankfully. And uh, this is, there's one spot remaining open on that on September 23rd. I had an event scheduled for the last weekend in October at Red Hill Range in Martin, Georgia, uh, that was going to be another, I'll call them instructor camps based around the topic of interleaving. 
just was not moving at all. I have one person signed up for it and I could not, I, what I had done is I had reserved both ranges at this facility mm -hmm. plus the classroom and I could not tie up the whole range. Okay. You know, if I had five or six right now, I would keep it okay. going. And, and, and built. so I, I contacted the range owner the other day and just said, hey, look, just, I don't hold the whole thing for me. And I made the decision today to go ahead and cancel that event. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to schedule something else for that weekend. I'm just going to have to look ahead at my grad school stuff right now and see what I've got uh, mm. coming up uh, deadline-wise. As far as for you there, brother. <laughs> getting assignments. And, and it, this is all my was all my idea, but I'm still going to blame David Cagle for it. His <laughs> useful enthusiasm convinced me that I could do this too. And so I'm going to blame him. Um, but Jeff, thank you for your time coming on tonight, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. I hope the audience uh, enjoys this. And I hope they, they picked up something from it. Maybe we answered some questions for them. Maybe so. Yeah. All right. How do people get in touch with you? Um, the easiest way is uh, email is Jeff at borntrainingsolutions.com. Or I do have a Facebook page strictly to go to the range master forums and programs like yours. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the Facebook messenger works great. Uh, sure. What I do, my phone stays in my hand. So email yeah. and Facebook message is usually how people get a hold of the easiest. All right. Well, Jeff, thank you for your time coming on tonight uh, to the audience. We know that your time is your most important asset. Thank you for choosing to spend it with us. <laughs>